Your day has just begun. Yeah. But for DJ and PK, they're just hitting their stride. It's time for all your headlines from the night in sports. As DJ and PK tell you what's trending. Are you ready? On 97.5, 1280 The Zone and The Zone Sports Network. Yeah. Hashtag college football. There's a $4 million deficit in the Minnesota Athletic Department's forecast for the fiscal year ending June 30th. And the AD Mark Coyle says, quote, no doubt everything's on the table, close quote. They've already had high earners take uh, pay cuts. They've had spending freezes. Uh, Future measures such as travel reduction could also lead to the elimination of sports programs. And that's why they still wonder if football is coming. Tough times for athletic departments, PK. Well, good morning on a beautiful Monday morning. How is everybody? Nah, it's kind of great. It's not that beautiful. Overcast, come on. It's great to be alive. What are you guys talking about, man? I don't need the weather to determine whether it's a beautiful day. NCAA President Mark Emmert says he expects final decisions about fall sports resuming to come next month. His quote, I suspect that people are going to have to make decisions sometimes in June, maybe by the 4th of July. Happy fireworks to you. DJ and PK. Hashtag NFL. I find it interesting that the Patriots got five primetime games. I just don't understand that. Look, I could understand two or three maybe because you want to see how good they are early. But, man, you know what we're going to learn about the Patriots is how much of a national brand they're going to be without Tom Brady. And how about the Bucs getting five primetime games? Unbelievable. The NFL schedule, the big news of the week, the weekend shows. Who was that? Yuck. Adam Kaplan from Fox Sports. Adam Kaplan. Stunned. Stunned. The two of the last four Patriot games are on primetime TV. If they play the schedule in order, of course. But as announced, Patriots and Bucks don't play until week 15. So the Tom Brady Bowl is They don't down play line. at the same time. Sorry. They don't play a game at the same time yeah. until Week 15. So the New England fans can watch the Bucs and then watch the Patriots and watch the Patriots and then watch the Bucs. NFL, always maximizing viewers. Well, I don't know about you, but as far as me and my house, we're going to be watching the Broncos. Three of their first four in prime time. Lock it down on your beloved Broncos. <laughs> you, my force-fed Broncos is the way I like to use the adjectives. Yeah. Three of their last five weren't on, so you better last year, so you better savor it early this year. Okay, defend, defend, tank defend. again. <laughs> Top overall pick Joe Burrow said he's in a holding pattern with regards to signing his rookie deal with the Bengals. We're just waiting to see what happens over the next three months because we don't really know, Burrow said on Pardon My Take podcast. Burrow's projected to receive a $23.9 million signing bonus when he does sign the deal. I wonder what the strategy is there, because I think most people, if they were about to get a $23.9 million bonus, would go ahead and sign their name and get the bonus. Yeah, but when do you get the money, though? When if, when do rookies start getting paid? Because is, is there any point in signing it now if you don't get paid until get... 1st? I don't know. Yeah. Signing bonuses come the second you put your name pen to paper. The second? Wow, that's pretty quick. <laughs> Wire transfer. Let's go. <laughs> What sound does money make when it moves that fast? I don't know. Cash register. 
Old school. DJ and PK. Hashtag NBA. I didn't retire because Lee kicked me out or they suspended me for, for a year and a half. That is not true. There's no truth to that. Uh, I needed a break. You know, my father just passed and I retired. You know, and I retired with the notion that I wasn't going to come back. Man, that music's even more dramatic when contrasted with the upbeat little ditty the Yawks got behind us now. That piano made me cry. Wow, you're sensitive. I am. That was Michael Jordan, obviously, from The Last Dance. They got right up to that 96 title, so eight hours down, two hours to go. Jazz fans front and center, 97, and I guess we still have the 98 Eastern Conference Finals and the 98 Finals and a little bit of the aftermath. And a little bit of Monica on my (laughs) mind. (laughs) One more Sunday night. Okay, cool. Yeah, looking forward to it. Uh, you know, the thing that I watched, uh, I took from this, is that it just really enforces that uh, the need to be absolutely 100% all in. And you've got to have that alpha male who is not the coach. Uh, maybe you can get away with it in the college level, but I'm not so sure you can get away with it in the pro level in the NBA, especially when, you know, a lot of it is determined about effort. You've got to have skill. There's no doubt about it. And Jordan and Pip and those guys, they had skill. But Jordan needed his role players, and they were his role players. He needed them to really be able to ball out and to make sure that they were given everything that they had. And he had to do it, and he was willing to pay that price for the sake of winning. And the results are what they were, you know. And and I go back to, it's funny, we view him as a hero, but Kraus doing what he did, we view him as a bum. Even though they actually both won the same amount of titles, you you, you need bad guys here, man. You need guys who are willing to step on other people's feelings for the sake of winning. And Jordan did that, and Krause did that to the management level. And so they ended up with six w- titles. And here we are, 20-some years later, talking about it and rehashing stuff that not just in the last season, but stuff that uh, you know, we're going back to his Little League baseball days. <laughs> you know, we're, we're going back 50 years, basically, in this. It's, it's a fascinating, not so much the series to this date has been fascinating, but it's a fascinating study of what it takes to be a winner at the highest levels. There's all of that, and that's all true. And the one thing that uh, I saw tweeted out was that, uh, and I don't know if you have more of a memory of him as a college basketball player, that Len Bias would have been Jordan's rival. Because Jordan had a decade without a rival, right? Magic had Bird and Shaq and Duncan had each other and that Len Bias would have fit right in there with Jordan's greatness. You know, and how would that have played out? Would Jordan have beaten him every time? Would Bias have won a couple or would Bias just have won the ones that Akeem got? I mean, we'll never know. Uh, but I hadn't, I hadn't heard that. I don't, I don't have a good enough memory of him as a player. I've read some stuff, obviously, and obviously he's a high pick, but... I don't know. Where do you think Len Bias would have fit in all of this if he hadn't? I have never thought about that for one second. I just told you about paying a price to win, and this guy was paying a price to do something else. I dismissed that 100%. Attorneys for Zion Williamson's former marketing representative want the New Orleans Pelicans rookie star to admit that his mom and stepfather demanded and received gifts, money, and other benefits from persons acting on behalf of Adidas and Nike. 
Also from people associated with Duke, trying to give him the influence to sign with the Blue Devils. So, is he going to have to actually be deposed under oath at some point here? Is he just going to ignore this whole process? He started to go with one agent, then he switched over to creative artists. So, what did these other people know? How many deals were done before he switched? Now they want their money? Or does this all just, there'll be a settlement and no one will disclose anything. Cash will exchange hands and it'll all just vaporize on us. Well, I don't have any form of fascination on this because I've known for a good while that he's been receiving money or he received money. So I don't need them to tell me something that I already know. The assumption is the Duke outbid Kansas because the FBI wiretaps got Kansas people talking about what they were willing to do for Williamson and then Zion didn't end up there. So the assumption in college basketball is Duke outbid him. I guess it's an assumption for you. Alex Antetokounmpo, the youngest brother of NBA superstar Giannis, will skip college and opt to play professionally in Europe. Alex had at least three scholarship offers to play college ball. So the Antetokounmpo's, the Balls, who are the best sports families? I mean, we just had Eli Manning retire, right? Four Super Bowl titles for Peyton and uh, Eli combined. Well, isn't there three holidays that play in the NBA right now? I was going to say, they have the three holiday brothers, Aaron, <laughs> Drew, and uh, I forget the third brother's name, but... Other famous families. Well, are, we talking we si- are we talking siblings or can we go parent to son? Do you have the Griffies with Griffey Sr. Well, this Griffey is Jr. siblings, so yeah. I guess you can make up your own rules on that. You can also have Manning's with Archie. Right. All right, DJ and PK. Hashtag Major League Baseball. Major League Baseball is cutting the 2020 draft to five rounds. Owners looking to save costs in the wake of the pandemic. Plan, which has been related to scouting directors, will allow teams to sign an unlimited number of undrafted players for 20 grand. The draft expected to begin June 10. A little different, only five rounds here. We've seen some marathon rounds with teams passing along the way, but some teams just picking forever. What was Piazza? I mean, is he one an of the Italian late? from Pennsylvania? Yes, I know. That's why I'm asking you what round he was drafted in because he's an Italian from Pennsylvania. You tracked him. Uh, something like 61st. Yeah. But uh, yeah. Uh, most of the, uh, I read a thing that most of the big time players are drafted in the first five rounds, but there are exceptions, you know, Piazza being something. The number one pick is supposed to be a Sun Devil. That's what really hurt those guys is they were set up, you know, they went through a little bit of a lose, not necessarily losing. Uh, they did make the tournament, but they did like with Tyler Huntley, you know, they had the big payoff as a senior, and they were set up to have this payoff this year as a junior. A kid named Torkelson is expected to go to. Detroit, uh, but they're not, you know, obviously he's not going to come back and take advantage of the opportunity to play the game again because if you're the number one pick, there's literally no place higher to go. So uh, it'll be interesting to see how many folks, uh, I don't want to say fall through the cracks because you're only going five rounds, but how many guys don't get drafted uh, and have that opportunity to play i'm sure there'll be plenty of them but then i wonder about the financial situation what's going to happen to these free agents you know what what would the sixth round pick be able to get in terms of guaranteed money and what will happen now as far as that goes what will be the signing bonuses that they receive and all that type of thing i don't know how that's going to play out 
I'll be interested to see how that plays out financially. What does it mean for these guys? The guys who get drafted, you know, probably won't mean anything. They'll still be able to negotiate what the, the a third round pick negotiates and so forth and so on. But how's it going to be for these guys who are free agents? Because there's a number of players who play in the big leagues, eventually make it, who are not necessarily drafted in the first five rounds most of your stars now that's a different story but there's still plenty of players who get there who aren't drafted in the first five rounds and how will that work out for them well i'm curious how many people are they going to be signing because we got the rookie league you know supposed to be going away here and they're going to put everybody through some kind of uh you know camp in florida and arizona facilities so how many guys are going to need i mean in the past 30 guys drafted, 40 guys drafted or whatever. I mean, when they have this chance to sign an unlimited number of guys, is, is one team going to sign five more? Is one team going to sign 25 more? I mean, how's, that, how's all that going to work? It seems like a couple things are changing at the same time. I don't know about the rosters. I don't know if they can sign an unlimited amount of guys. I have no idea on that. Well, the rules are going to allow them to sign an unlimited, but I would assume different teams are going to choose different things so we'll see how that shakes out impossible to know right now i suppose all right what is trending it's brought to you by shamrock plumbing receive a free reverse osmosis system with the purchase of any water softener at shamrock plumbing 801-295-1690 that's shamrock plumbing all right dj and pk coming up this morning steve cleveland our basketball insider will be here at eight o'clock peter ba writes for the Athletic covers the Missouri Tigers. They're on the BYU schedule this year. We'll talk with him at 9 o'clock. And Antonio Pierce, Arizona State Associate Head Coach and Co-Defensive Coordinator, handles the linebackers as well. He'll be here at 9.30 as the spring football tour continues. DJ and PK, it's 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. Let's go! The Big Show. It's a big deal! With Gordon Monson and Jake Scott. Joining us now from the Athletic, Stuart Mandel. How adaptable is college football to the point where a season could get started and then there could be an intermission? I think colleges would be adaptable. They wouldn't really have a choice otherwise. I think the issue would be pushing games past January. If it truly is a spring sport and you get to February, March, April, a lot of seniors or top juniors or draft prospects would have to shut it down. And so it would be pretty chaotic for the coaches in terms of managing their roster. It's just going to be chaos. It's the best way to put it, but what choice do they have? Like, not playing football season, I keep saying it, it's just not an option. The Big Show, weekdays from 2 to 7 on 97.5, 1280 The Zone and The Zone Sports Network. What is trending? Brought to you by Shamrock Plumbing, and now it's time for Hot Takes and Toast, brought to you by Master Electrical Services. Master Electrical is always open during this challenging time. Call Master Electrical at 801-543-2222 for upfront pricing, and your satisfaction is guaranteed. Master Electrical will light up your day. All right, PK, the question of the morning. What should the NBA do for the rest of its season? News coming out this weekend from the Friday call. Commissioner Adam Silver with the players. And, of course, uh, a couple hundred people aren't likely to keep a secret. I don't know how many players were on the call. I assume a lot of them. But a lot of stuff coming out of there about what they could do, what they might do with the rest of the NBA season. So, I think Adam speaks for a lot of people when he says, if all teams are healthy... Then let's get this thing going. I miss my Utah Jazz. Let's go, Jazz Nation. All caps, four exclamation points. Somebody is fired up. Well, you can't be fired down, that's for sure. So I think that, uh, yeah, these guys have got to get back out on the floor. 
I mean, they just have to. It's it's to the point of virtually being a requirement at this point. Mary Jane Jones says, plan for next year. No need to put their lives at risk until this virus is gone. They have families, too. Well, yeah, well, how do we know next year it's going to be uh, virus-free and there's zero risk? That's just the point, man. Is there not going to be a risk at everything you do? What is really totally risk-free besides sitting alone in your home at all times? But if you're alone and you have a medical emergency and there's no one there to help you, then you're at risk. Well, eventually everyone's going to die. So if you look at it that way, then yes, because at some point you're going to have what would be deemed as a medical emergency because every single person here that is listening to us and has been with us throughout these 18 years either has died or is going to die. So if you view it in those terms, then yeah. I'm not saying go play on the freeway. I'm not being loose with stuff like along those lines, but... These guys are in an age bracket. How many of these guys in their age brackets are dying? Not very many. Terry says, if any games are going to play, it's going to be weird without crowd noise. Surely we are nowhere near 20,000 people in one place. Uh, So what? Yeah, the commissioner made it clear that they would be played without uh, fans because it's going to be a while before we see 20,000 people in one place. But uh, no crowd noise. Won't we just adapt? Yeah, absolutely. So uh, this is a little ahead in terms of what you watched. But on Friday night, you know, the stuff that they've been playing with the Korean baseball, uh, it's been on later. Well, i got to go to bed, right? we got to get up early. Well, it came on 11 o'clock Friday night, our time. So I tuned it in. And sure, it was weird. But then Saturday, they had it on. And I tuned it in again. And I'd already made an adjustment because I'd already seen what it was about. And... They've got the players. I mean, it's they're playing real baseball. I don't know what level it corresponds to, single A, double A, triple A, what have you. But, I mean, they were playing baseball with umpires. Everything looked normal. And the, the funny thing is they had, uh, I think they had four female cheerleaders and one or two males. And if somebody got a hit or something, they'd pan over to them, and they were standing uh, on the field level, four, five, six of them. They had masks on, and they'd start doing a cheer. <laughs> That's not what we're, we're not used to that. We don't have, although we do have, you know, baseball bees, honeys, or whatever they're calling them. You know, each team has their own deals. Uh, basically, jazz dancers, Laker girls type thing where they'll get on the dugout in between innings and try to, you know, shoot t shirts out or whatever it is. So these were more formal cheerleaders, and they did a little cheer. And that's not something that we have. But other than that, the point being, by the second day of watching it, I adjusted. So we'll adjust to that. I mean, who really cares if you're watching on television whether there's fans in the stands? I don't turn in to watch any game and say, wow, man, look at those fans in the stands. <laughs> you know, I don't need Dancing Barry or this guy or that guy. That's just me. For other folks, maybe they do need them. And if they need them and want them and it adds to their enjoyment of the entertainment because that's what it is, it's entertainment, I don't have any problem. But for me... I tune in to watch a game, to watch Team A go against Team B in whatever sport it might be, right? That's what I'm interested in. So I'm not, I don't really care who's there to watch because I want to watch these tremendous athletes play the sport that they're playing. I don't think you're alone there. I think that's going to be a pretty common response right there whenever uh, things start up in whatever sport they start up in. They're, they're, they're likely to start up. With no fans, and most people are likely to adjust. 
Yeah, if we have to have that, so be it. Obviously, I'd prefer it to be normal. Eric says, send the Western Conference teams to Vegas, the Eastern Conference teams to Orlando. Start it in June. Everyone plays a couple of warm-up games, maybe five more regular season games to decide the final playoff series. Once the East and West finals have been decided, we should be into August, and maybe by then final teams could play in their home courts. Be surprised if the final teams play in their home courts. I think you're on to something maybe with the Vegas and Orlando thing. And you're on to something with how many games will be played. There's a clause that's been reported, the sports regional networks that cover the regular season games. The NBA teams get a full payout. It's considered a full season once you're over 70 games. And teams are mostly between somewhere between 63 and 67 right now. So, Oh, it is? 70? Yeah, that's yeah. not that far away. No, it's really not. Depending on the club, I'm looking at the standings. The Lakers are sitting on 63 games. The Mavericks on 67 and I haven't checked every. The Jazz are at sixty-four. I haven't checked everybody else, but I assume that's pretty much the ballpark. I don't think there's probably much more of a range than that. So, and and I think they'd need a couple weeks of games. They'd be called regular season games, but essentially they'd be preseason games so that the playoff games look better. Because I assume more people will tune in for the playoffs in the regular season, and the NBA is going to want the product to look better. So I think if you're not traveling, you can certainly play every other day, so you can play seven games in two weeks, and that would get everybody to 70. Maybe they'll play more than that if they have more time, but I would think they'll play at least that. Set it up for some geographical rival to play to get you to 70. For instance... The Jazz and the Nuggets, a seven-game series in Vernal. <laughs> oh, the Lakers and Clippers then would play it. Uh, Staples. Oh, well, they can play wherever they want. I mean, if you actually maybe go to a high school gym because just the uh, in terms of turning on the power might be cheaper. Well, the the smaller rather than having this massive arena with the, you know hardly anybody in it. Uh, so maybe you can. Go back to the old days. What was I telling about? I was talking to somebody about how they have these extravagant, I can't remember who, they have these extravagant practice facilities now. And the Jazz, oh, we were talking about the Jazz coming back, you know, and letting team, or letting individual players come in and practice or shoot or what have you, lift weights. And I was telling somebody, you know, they probably got 10 baskets there. It's a big, it's a beautiful facility with the weight room just off to the side, to the south of the basketball. They got a restaurant back in there, with fireplace. You can see the fire going in the winter. They got all these things. Well, Back in the day when I was covering the Bulls and the Lakers in their first NBA, uh, Jordan's first NBA title, you know, to cover the Lakers, you'd go stand outside of Englewood High School. (laughs) (laughs) And literally, they practice at, which is right down the street from the form, and Englewood High School. I mean, I think Harold Miner said off the top of my head. Morningside was there. They had the two of them. Morningside and Inglewood uh, were both there in the same area. But the Lakers practiced. My, Byron Scott, Eldon Campbell, uh, Lisa Leslie, they went to Morningside. But uh, the Lakers practiced at Inglewood High School. And so you would just go stand there outside of in the street. And you'd stand there and then they'd open it up and you'd walk into the high school. And that's all it was. It was just Inglewood High School. And now... That would seem so outrageous. The Jazz didn't know how good they had. They they were at least at an NAIA school in Westminster. But the Lakers, of all teams, practiced at a high school. That's where they would have, if they didn't have it at the form, they would have it basically across the street. Uh, not, you know, not literally, but just less than a quarter of a mile down the road, Englewood High School. And so 
this is kind of a little bit of a back to the future type deal if that's what they would do. So if they need to get that for financial reasons to get up to 70, as you say, that'd be great. You could, you could do all sorts of stuff in that way to get that done, however that might be. And then, of course, you know, to get them, as you say, back to where they're playing a little bit of continuity for the playoff. Although I do think if they televise those individual games between the 63 that the Jazz have played and the 70, if that's what they choose, I think those would have stellar local ratings. You know, maybe, yeah. maybe nationally wouldn't matter, but the rest of us, obviously the teams that we follow, in this case it's the Jazz, overwhelmingly the Jazz, we would be all over that. Yep. Yeah, I think they would. They'd get really good ratings and really pump people up. And depending on, in other markets, it would depend, I suppose, on whether baseball was going and if those games were available. But, boy, if you're the first one back, I would think everybody would be getting big ratings. And I'm, yeah. not, I'm not convinced that they're going to bring all 30 teams and send them to Vegas and that. Right, maybe, they, right, right. maybe they will because, you know, the Warriors are five games short. They're at 65. Now they're 15 and 50. They're in last place. They're not going anywhere. And Steve Kerr's already said it feels like the offseason. Now their GM came out and said, we'll be good partners. So if the league says we want you to go, then they're going to go. Well, and yeah, they would they get, more, get the money. Right, and they get more money for getting to, to game 70. No, but, I think that if you're not in the playoff, they should make you play 10 games. <laughs> Hey, Atlanta, you really suck. You have to play a bunch of games. <laughs> well, actually, for Atlanta, I wonder if they wouldn't want, if they would actually want that. You know, with Trey Young being a young team, them being young guys, and so give them more time. You know, it's like the spring ball in the colleges and all that, or get a right. bowl game, the 15 more practices. We hear that every freaking year. You know, the, the, obviously the Warriors are in a different set, uh, stage because they've got some stars that are sitting out. And, you know, anticipating them to recover. And then you know, with uh, any moves that they may make in the draft pick, you know, away they go for the 2020-21 season. Uh, none of us, uh, I think, are foolish enough to count out the Warriors when fully healthy. You know, this has been a situation where it collapsed on them health-wise. And Durant taking off, he wouldn't have been healthy anyway. But nevertheless, there was maybe some, some other teams can use that. I don't know, DJ and, and Yak, you can participate if you follow. Look around on Twitter. Uh, over the weekend, this Clay Travis, he's on the show before us, right? He works for Fox. Yeah, I'll kick the coverage. Yep. And so there's a guy, uh, Norman Chad. You should look this up under uh, Clay Travis's Twitter, DJ, if you haven't. I'm, I'm on uh, Clay Travis's Twitter now, and uh, Norman Chad has been around for a long time. Yeah. I think he's most famous now by people because he does the World Series of Poker stuff. Yeah, you're right. You're right. But uh, he wrote a column, I think, for the Washington Post, was it? Correct. Uh, saying that, you know, this is proven that sports don't matter. And Clay Travis went after him. You know, I, I would never be that aggressive in going after a so-called fellow media person. Uh, man, woman, doesn't matter. Uh, even if I disagree with them, I'm just going to let it be. But that's not Clay Travis's way, and, and, and he's going to make money off of more publicity he can generate. He was the, he was the guy who went on, what did he go on, CNN? Uh, and they were doing an interview with him a while back, and he said the two things he loves the most are First Amendment and boobs. Correct. Uh, yeah. So, I mean, and they and they, they kicked him off the air when he said that. <laughs> I, mean, I, I thought it was funny. But there's no way I'm going to do that, you know. And people around here consider me outrageous. Uh, but anyway, so he goes after this Chad and said, this is ridiculous. And you, you can look at it and quote it verbatim if you want. But I agree with what Clay Travis is saying. The point, and I wrote about this over a month ago, sports has never mattered more than it mattered right now. 
They absolutely matter. They are a massive form of entertainment in our country and around the world in other sports. Uh, maybe singularly sports, not as many sports as we have. We go season to season. When I was a kid, people would always ask me, what's your favorite sport? And I'd say, what's the calendar? You know, whatever it is. And uh, that was my favorite. I was caught up in the moment. I was never really caught up in terms of winning and losing, but I was just caught up in the competition of it. And I think it matters more than ever. It's never been more important. To say it doesn't matter, I I think it's the most ridiculous take that I've ever heard. And it matters. So we need to get these guys and gals back out there as soon as they possibly can to compete because it's something that we rely on. For a great form of entertainment. It's fun. It's something that we all enjoy. That's why it matters. Does it matter if a team wins, if LeBron wins, what has he, how many has he won? Four, three? Yeah. If he wins his fourth? No. To me, it really doesn't matter. That's not the point. The point is to get him back playing. That's the point. And all the things that go with it. I mean, look how many jobs have been shed out of that out of that industry is just and and just the the ripple effect we're getting we're jumping ahead on what you watch but i i saw a big thing on on the airline industry and how awful it has been and how awful it's going to continue to be because businesses they're taking hits are like business travel ah we don't really want to lay people off we can we can cut business travel and meet by zoom and so even when people are comfortable flying again I mean, even when there's a vaccine and then businesses are like, why are we going to spend money on that? So it's going to be a a huge deal. And you look at sports and how much people travel for that and how many people get employed and how much money gets spent around it. It would be great to have that back. It would be great for a lot of people to have that back. I agree, but I'm not even talking about that. You're just talking about the psychological impact of this is fun and it gets people together. And, it does. Yeah. And it brings people, families together. People, they man. sit around and watch a ball game, whatever game that might be. Yes, it does. I mean, come on, yesterday was Mother's Day. And if the Jazz were participating in a playoff game, how important would have that have been in the homes of the folks around our city and state? They would have brought them together. And I get everything you say is actually more important than what I'm saying. So I certainly get it. But I'm just talking about for just the pure enjoyment of it all. And what you're saying in terms of jobs and jobs lost, obviously, is a massive, massive deal. And, and it ranks way more important than just me and my dad sitting around watching a game together or talking about the game if we're not together after the game. That, that There's no financial gain there for the two of us if that were the case. And that's, that's, that's at its simplest, purest form. It goes up from that. I really believe sports matter more than ever right now. Well, we know that uh, when the teams like the Red Sox broke their jinx and the Cubs broke theirs, you know, the stories of uh, people climbing into cemeteries to go talk to headstones. I mean, how do you, you know, how do you put a value on the psychological impact there? You know, the, the time that was spent together, how much caring there was, you know, for each other, for the team, for the moment, that, that you would leave your house, your home, your apartment, your condo, whatever, at night and go to the cemetery and hop the fence and then realize you're not the only one who did it, that lots of people are doing it at the same time. 
Pretty oh, strong, yeah, yeah. pretty strong bond there, and hard to explain. And I get why people say oh, it's not important because this is you know literally life and death for some people. And you know, and I just talked about the sports jobs, but obviously, you know, jobs have been lost, lots of businesses, lots of sectors of the economy. So it's not like this is the only thing that needs to come back. You know, but that's that, that's a I mean, eleven o'clock at night to go drive into the cemetery and find out you're not the only one hopping the fence. That's a pretty odd deal. That's why we're still talking about it years later. Yeah. I think I told you. I think I sent you, if you can remember, maybe you can, maybe you can. I sent something to you, a story. So it's 2000. It's May of 2015. And I'm out with my wife. And we're at a community pool, right? We're, we're down south in St. George. So we're at a community pool. And... Actually, it was June, so it would have been the Belmont Stakes. And so I know that American Pharaoh is going for the Triple Crown, right? And he and the horses, for the first time since 1978, when Affirmed won it. There was, in the 70s, we had three with Secretariat, Seattle Slough, and Affirmed, right? 73, 77, 78. And we had gone all the way from 78 to 2015. And so there was a clubhouse by this pool... And they had a television in there. And so about the time I knew the race was going to go off, I go in and watch it, right? And so it's spring of 2015. In the fall of 2014, my father died. And so I watch the race, and I come back, and she's looking at me, what happened? And I'm crying because I was thinking of him, and I couldn't call him and talk to him about it, which I would have done if he had been alive and we would have shared in that moment together because those were big deals in our household and i come out this community pool and she sees me coming and i'm i'm crying and she looks at me what happened (laughs) and 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 i'm crying and and i tell her american pharaoh won first triple crown winner since 78 and she looks at me like Okay. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but why are you crying, dude? <laughs> yes. And then I tell her that I didn't get to share that experience as something that we hadn't had and, and what, what's whatever 78 to 2015 is. I'm, I suck at math. 40 years, close to. And uh, we didn't have that. And then later on, I see a story that was out there. A friend of mine, his name's Todd Harmonson. He is the editor for the Orange County Register. Not the sports editor, but the editor. Well, he and I go way back. We had worked uh, shoulder to shoulder together for years at the Daily Breeze when we were kids. And now he's the main editor. And he saw a story of how that very thing happened to some writer back east where it was so emotional to the writer because it made him think of his dad. And I thought, that's exactly, that is so not weird, but not ironic, but just, I don't know what the word would be, but it was something that I related to 100% because I did the exact same thing. And that, the point is, that's what sports can do beyond your area that you brought up, which is far more important as far as financially. That's why we need sports more than ever. That's why we need the NBA back more than ever. DJ and PK, it's 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. When we return, what did you watch last night? Well, in this case, the whole weekend. I think we know what we watched last night. DJ and PK, it's 97.5 and 1280 The Zone.
Now let's get this party started. This is Hans Olsen and Scotty G on the Zone Sports Network. Kurt Heelan from NBC Sports and ProBasketballTalk.com. They've got to have minimum of three weeks of guys working out together and stuff. I think the shot will come back pretty quickly and the handles, but the conditioning, it's going to take time to get back into game shape and there's nothing, you know, that takes games. And it's just, I think, the teamwork. A team like Utah that's kind of a little more system-based and has guys, you know, back cuts and just, you know, cutting on offense and it's the way they handle their defense. That dance might take a little longer to get back in the flow of than Houston, where, hey, you know what? We give James Harden the ball, and then we're going to get the hell out of the way. Their system's a little simpler. It might take some teams a little longer to get back in the flow. It feels like, to me, some of those teams would just take a little longer. Hanson Scotting. Weekdays from 10 to 2 on 97.5 1280 The Zone in the Zone Sports Network. With a little extra time on your hands, it's time to talk about what we're doing to kill time. What did you watch last night with DJ and PK on 97.5, 1280 The Zone and The Zone Sports Network? Too much time on my hands. Too much time on my What'd you watch last night? In addition to the last dance, we all watched that, didn't we? B.J. Armstrong winning a game and talking trash. I had no memory of that, PK. None whatsoever. B.J. Armstrong? He won. That he played in Charlotte and went off in one game. I couldn't name you. And tied a series 1-1, and then then Jordan got mad, and they won 4-1. I love all the stuff, which we've talked about before. It's not new about how Jordan creates stuff to keep himself motivated, right? And because of the two playoff series with the Jazz, we've heard that. There's examples. But there's examples, you know, all across his career. But him sitting there in the locker room with the bat like a mob hit was about to go down, smoking a cigar. That was like out of the movies or something. What was that? I thought that was cool because I think that's the price that he was willing to pay in terms of getting himself motivated. I think earlier in his career when he hadn't won any titles, just the fact to be able to chase them provided the motivation. But you see B.J. Armstrong trash-talking and going after it. And B.J. was having fun with it. You know, he had a moment, basically, and everybody has a moment. And he had that going on. And then they crushed him. And then LeBradford Smith. I didn't know that story either. That LeBradford Smith. <laughs> Who? He was, uh, I looked him up because I didn't remember him. And it turns out I didn't remember him because he played for two teams over four seasons. <laughs> I remember him in college, though, just oh, yeah. the name. Okay. Yeah. I remember that, yeah, so I I had the knowledge of that. Uh, And then that uh, he was somewhere at a restaurant. I forget who he was with. It might have been actually, was it with, I don't remember, it was BJ or somebody else. But when they were playing Seattle and George Carl walked by him and didn't say anything to him, I was like, oh, okay, you're going to be that way because they had the Carolina connection and going back in the summer and at the top of the uh, family chain was the connection to Dean Smith. And so you uh, didn't say anything to me. So I was going to take it out on you as if taking it out on George Carl. Uh, George Carl was the coach. He wasn't going to be able to defend or shoot or anything else. He was a coach and uh, that – uh, and then the, the thing that the thing that really amused me when they the Sonics were down uh, 3-0 and Peyton said, bleep it, I'm going to guard MJ. <laughs> and he shut him down for two games. 
and they show that clip on a look like an iPad to MJ, and he just starts cracking up. I never had any problem with the glove. The glove, basically, I thought he was. I thought we we're going to have an, another f bomb there on television. I'm not used to unless I'm watching movies, to being here in F-bombs, being so uh, willingly distributed and broadcast as they are on this thing. And so he's just laughing, the glove. I never had any problem with the glove. Uh, but I think you have to have that, man. You have to be over the top. You have to take no prisoners. If you want to be friends and all that stuff, go into something else. You need to be cold-hearted. You need to view the other guy as the enemy. He's trying to steal something that you have. That's the way I've viewed my life here in the workforce. I viewed everybody as competition. I view somebody as trying to take money out of my pocket. Let me tell you a quick little story about this. So in, uh, what, 2007, we switched stations, right? And it's well-documented. Everybody knows about it. Well... The station that we left, which is the station we're at now, they were running ads and promos about how you and I sold out. Yeah. And <laughs> they were naming us by name. So I viewed them as the enemy. I viewed them. They were trying to take money out of my pocket. You take money out of my pocket. You're not my friend. That's just the way it is. I viewed them as the enemy. And so that football season... BYU is playing in Vegas, and I'm going to drive down there, and Gordon, working for the Watchdog, and he stays at 1280, right? He and I were cool. little background. I made sure he was cool with me leaving. I wouldn't have left if he would have said, no, I need you to stay. He said, no, go ahead and take that. It's a great deal. So I left, right? And then I hear their station is running ads or promos, whatever you call it, naming us by name and trying to defame us. Well, down in Vegas, Kevin Graham was the program director. And Gordon, he and I were going to drive. And Gordon calls me up and he says, hey, Kevin's going to drive with us. I said, no, he's not. He said, well, yeah, he wants to drive. I said, no, I'm not driving with him. He's, he's my enemy now. I, didn't I did know not you drive did. with him. I didn't know and you did that. Gordon chose to drive with Kevin. I drove by myself. <laughs> Jeez, PK. <laughs> All right, anything else you watched this weekend you want to share? We're just about out of time. we got Steve Cleveland coming up next. But you got anything else you, you told I enjoyed us? the Korean baseball. I do, but Friday night when I turned it on, I did not know that Matt Williams was the manager of the Goo Goo Foo Foo Fighters, the Samsung uh, Goo Goo Foo Foo Fighters from Korea. I did not know that. Did you know that? I had no idea what Matt Williams was up to. Former UNLV shortstop turned Giants third baseman, turned Diamondbacks third baseman. Did he manage in the majors? Did he manage in Arizona? Washington. Oh, Washington. It was Washington. The Nationals, yeah. Yeah, it was Washington. I think they fired him and had Dusty Baker, and then for some stupid reason they fired Dusty Baker. Now it turned out because Martinez won the uh, World Series for him last year. Yeah, Matt Williams holds, holds the distinction of when they listed the all-time teams for the Giants and the Diamondbacks, he's the third baseman for both. Nice. How many guys, how many guys can say that? Not very many. Yeah, I learned Usually. a little bit about the Korean baseball. What you learn? You know they can only have three foreign born guys on the roster. There's often rules like that. I didn't know that was the number, but that's not all that surprising. Yeah. What but else? one of them can only, only one can be a position player. Two are pitchers. Oh, really? Yeah. 
PKU asked what level the KBO is playing at. I looked it up. They, they estimate it's between the, kind of the level between AA and AAA. And, and that's another thing that surprised me. I don't know, not, not surprised me. But Jordan hit 200 at AAA after not playing baseball from age 17? AA. Double uh, A, yeah, double yeah, A. Yeah. I said triple. I meant double. Double, yeah. I, I mean, just to be able to do that—that's impressive. <laughs> I mean, if you make double A baseball, you're a pretty good baseball player. There's just no way. I've known guys, friends of mine, who've played at that level, and they were really good. Because I've known some really good players who didn't get to that level, and so, and I realized that he was basically played at that level. Frank Kona said, or Reinsdorf said, that they needed the media capability and the smaller leagues didn't have that. So maybe he wasn't a true double-A player. But to have some, even though it was a modicum of success, still very impressive. Bunch of interviews with the guys who were on that Birmingham Barons team about how crazy it was when he was down there with them. Everybody's showing up, all kinds of media. And these guys who, you know, did minor league baseball before and after Jordan, he was just this, I don't know, what, tornado that dropped it in the middle of it. And they're just like, oh, yeah, can whoa. You they all said he was, he was happy to be one of the guys. That was kind of the impressive part about it. It was. I agree. Not be a star, have all that pressure off you. Let's be one of the guys again. All right, DJ PK, Steve Cleveland, our basketball insider, coming up next. Stay with us.